I'm Jimmy Lynch for the National Curriculum here on the ground in Qatar for the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Thank you for joining us. Yes, indeed, my name is Joey Lynch here for the National Curriculum on the ground in Doha. First of all, a massive, massive thank you to our good friends of the pod, Run Their Memes, for that absolutely glorious introduction music that we will be using for our special editions throughout the 2022 FIFA World Cup. And this is the first one of those special editions, the first one from myself on the ground here in Doha, so we had to do something special. Yes, we went out and spoke to ESPN FC's The Gab and Jewel Show's Julian Loren. And, well, what are we going to talk to him about? Well, we're not going to talk to him about Italy making the World Cup. No, we're going to talk about France. Indeed, Le Bleu, the defending world champions, the Socceroos, first opponents here in Qatar. We're going to hear the down low from him about what to expect from Didier Deschamps' side, what they are going to be expecting from the Socceroos, and a whole lot more. It's a great chat, fascinating chat. Really hope you enjoy it, and you stay tuned for a lot more that we've got planned here at TNC. Jules Loren of the Gabon Jules Show, one of the few footballing podcasts that outrates the national curriculum, I'll admit that, uh, and ESPN FC. Jules, thank you ever so much for joining us. You've flown in last night. We were talking off air. It's hot. It's really hot. It's hotter than I, than I anticipated. I knew it would be hot, but not this hot. And especially last night when we landed at midnight, it was still very hot, very humid. Yeah, so I mean, French team, almost exclusive. Well, they are exclusively European-based. How are they going to deal with these conditions? I think it's one of the uh, the worries that Deschamps has, that Didier Deschamps has, and that the players themselves have as well. They, they've played in heat before, this is not the problem, but it's training and it's been there for you know quite a long time in that kind of heat. Mm. It was hot in Russia four years ago, for example, but not like that, not with that kind of degree of humidity. So, and the problem, I guess, is that unlike normal, I mean, your usual World Cups, you don't have time to, to prepare to acclimate yourself to the to the to the you know to the to the climate to the the weather to the environment all of that because next week this is the game against Australia so they will have to find a way of making sure that they f- they feel at home pretty quickly. Now it it might be grasping at straws, but in Australia a lot has been made of the French team's preparations. Chaos is the word that has yeah. been used. Injuries, discontent. How would you? describe the French team's preparations for this World Cup as they now fly into Doha? I think it's, it's been interesting, to say the least, the last few weeks. Um, the results haven't been good. The team hasn't been playing well. Uh, Deschamps lost his father, for example, unexpectedly in June, which was a, a huge shock to him, but also to the squad. He was during the international break, at the end of a long season already. And, and it, it, it brought really like this... this sort of really bad kind of atmosphere, uh, people didn't want to be there, Deschamps didn't want to still being involved with football after what happened to his dad, so th- that was that was really strange and, and so unusual that I think they, 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 they cooped very, not well with it to be fair, and I don't think they've fully recovered from it, then there's the injuries, no Pogba, no Kante, no Kimpembe, no Nkunku now as well. There's been a bit of tension before. There was the issue with the, uh, the sponsors, the marketing rights, with the players and Kylian Mbappe not being happy. So, yeah, in terms of preparation, it hasn't been as smooth as you would want it to be. I'm going to ask you about the World Cup curse in a second because that's been talked about as well. But you mentioned there Pogba and Kante, two of the biggest names, not 
here in Qatar with the French team. From a footballing perspective, though, how is that actually going to affect the way that the French play? How will that force them to adapt? It's a huge blow to start with because of their experience, their talent, of course, the level, the leadership that someone like Pogba can bring, the activity and the energy that someone like Conte can bring. So on the pitch, off the, off the pitch, you've lost a lot. So now you already look at, okay, who's going to come? Who's going to come in, in instead of them two? And how France are going to play? Deschamps is going to move it back to a back four and a midfield three, I think, because the midfielders that he has currently in his squads are talented, of course, and play in the biggest club. Chouameni at Real Madrid, Rabiot at Juventus, Fofana Monaco, Camavinga at Real Madrid. This is all great, Ganduzi, Veretu, all great. But none of them has ever played in the World Cup before. They don't even know what it is like. Um, they have played Champions League football. Some of them, like Rabiot, have played in the Euros. But this is a whole different level. The, ex the expectations, the pressure, the intensity of the game, the fact that you're going to play against the best player in the world for their own country is going to be is going to be tough really really tough so it's either they sink and sink the team with them because they're not ready or they step up they're good they get a bit carried by the defense by the attack both lines are going to be amazing um, but we don't know yet no one knows how Chouameni and Rabio will react to that kind of new role for them as a starter for the World Cup holders in the World Cup against Australia next week um, so you've mentioned there the back switching to a back four, midfield three. Now, nobody can have accused the French of lacking firepower going forward, <laughs> highlighted by reigning uh, Ballon d'Or winner Karim Benzema and Kylian Mbappe. However, Benzema under a bit of a fitness cloud heading into this tournament. I think I saw a couple of nights ago he only spent about 15 minutes on the training track before he left. What's the current word on his status for, well, I guess, the Australia game for our audience, but the World Cup as a whole? I don't think he's a worry so much. I think he sort of, by precaution, just like lift the foot of the gas, lifted the foot of the gas with Real Madrid, not playing really before joining France with the World Cup. The 15 minutes of training on Tuesday was always the plan. Uh, so there was nothing, there was no setback where he started training and then had to stop. Um, we will see tonight, Thursday night, there's, there's open training uh, where you expect the whole team, even if they travelled yesterday, to be part in the training session, to, to, to quite some, some intensity. It's not just running around and do a bit of, you know, passing drills. So we will see, but I saw him on Tuesday and he looked like in a really good mood. He was very happy. He was happy to be there. He didn't seem worried. He said to me that there was no worries to have either. He's my guy. I want to trust him. So, <laughs> but, you know, we will have to see how the next few days are. But he's, when you think that he had to wait eight years to yeah. play again in the World Cup, you know, that long drought of the national team for him was, was very difficult. Now that he's back, I think he's ready to take on the world. Now, this new midfield, this new midfield three, there's no doubt that the French attack can put the ball in the net once mm. they get the ball, but how will the new dynamics of this French midfield actually affect the positions that Benzema and Mbappe are receiving the ball? And do, how is that going to change from what we normally expect from the French? It'll be interesting to see the patterns of play. Uh, obviously, when Conte and Pogba were there, you had Matuidi, who was a flat 4-4-2 at the World Cup four years ago. Matuidi was kind of the hybrid, sort of left midfielder that was coming inside. And then Mbappe on the right had the freedom to do whatever he wanted. So it was almost, you would revert to a 4-3-3 quite easily with Matuidi tucking inside with Conte and Pogba. And then Griezmann, Giroud and Mbappe doing the work with the ball. I think this time we could see Griezmann, Mbappe and Benzema of course, 
who's replaced Giroud, doing similar things and then having Rabiot, Chouameni and Fofana, who I think are the three likely midfielders really to start against Australia, bringing a bit more solidity, a bit more balance in the squads, with, I think, especially for Rabiot, the sort of freedom to go forward and drive either with the ball or making the runs into the box like he's done recently with Juventus, where he's been on top, top form. So I think if you say to Chouameni and Fofana, you're the one, the most solid, you love to protect that back four, with the return of Varane, which we expect at the back, to give a bit of guidance to the youngsters, especially Chouameni and Fofana in midfield. I think this still looks, it looks really good, let's be honest. Yes, they've never played that midfield three in a World Cup before, but Rabiot, Chouameni and Fofana, I think, can be trusted to step up. I think the feeling is like, if they can go from strength to strength in the group stage, Australia, Denmark, Tunisia, and then they could be ready for the last 16 when, when the big, big games and the big stake uh, will, will kick on. The curse. Yeah. World Cup winners in the next tournament. How much heed are you actually paying that heading into Qatar? I mean, being French and arrogant as we are, it's like... <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> you know, the others have done it, but there's no way we can do it. Um, I think the interesting thing is, Deschamps, it happened to France before, of yeah. course. You know, 98, 2002. Deschamps wasn't there in 2002. He stopped after the Euros, mm. the win in the Euros in 2000. But he was still so much in touch with the players who were there in Japan and South Korea to know what happened there and the reasons why it was such a disaster, really, in, in O2. And I think he's smart enough and his man management skills are good enough to transmit to the current squad, listen, we, it happened to us before in 98-02. This is what happened. This is why we failed so miserably, because we took it for granted to start with, because I think that squad in 2002 arrived at the end of their cycle which is very different to this cycle. If you think about it, only, so I think it's only 10 players who were there in 98, uh, who were there, sorry, in 2018, are still there in the squad. It's a huge turnaround in four years. It was not the case at all in 98 and 02. So I think France have learned the lesson of what happened before. I think they've seen what happened to Italy, to Spain and to Germany before. They don't want to go there. It can happen, of course. You can be knocked out in the group stages. But I think they've been warned and I think they will approach the competition in a very different way to the last three, three winners. Well, in terms of the way that they will approach the competition, approaching Australia, we'll get to the game in a second, but I'm very interested to know, we're tucked away on the other side of the world, absolute dearth of players playing their trade in the top five leagues yeah. in Europe. How much comprehension is there for Australian football in France? So not, not much, I won't lie, uh, you know, unlike in, in the UK where I live, for example, where you can see all the early games. Uh, I don't think this is the case in France. I might be mistaken. I don't think, I don't think it's the case. Obviously, Deschamps has currently in every single bedroom at the France's hotels a channel only for Australia games. So the boys can go in their room, flick on the channel and see all the Australian recent games, all the players. They've already have had, I think, all the video analysis individually on the players they're going to face, all of that. So all the, I think the homework has, has been done for the players within the hotel, the France hotel. I don't know how many of them is going to, are going to watch. I don't know how many of them are going to pay attention. Who do I play against? You know, who, who is the defender that is going to mark me? Who is the striker I'm going to mark? All that kind of stuff. But I think they know that it's going to be an aggressive game, that the physicality of the Socceroos is, I think, the key here. Mm -hmm. And also, I think the boys who were there in 2018 for an opening game 
I think in similar conditions where I remember it was hot over there. I remember France not playing well, Deschamps changing the tactic at the last minute before that game in 2018. And Australia playing really well, being really aggressive, being physical, being in our faces and making it very difficult. And we were lucky to get a win, maybe even lucky to get a point. Hugo Lloris had to make a huge save at 1-1. And then, and then eventually we got lucky to get that second goal. So I think it'd be a very similar game. And certainly the likes of Lloris, the likes of Varane, have already, I was told again yesterday, they've already talked about the Australia game, talked about the kind of game it would be, talked about again the atmosphere of the opening game of the tournament for France. World Cup holders now as well, which was not even the case four years ago, and, and what that means. So I think, I think the ones who don't know much about Australia, who are going to discover the World Cup, will be worn by the more experienced players. Because Australia will likely... Well, they won't have much of the ball against the friends. That's already been taken for granted. And as you said, uh, Graham Arnold, Socceroos coach, his latest uh, catchphrase is boxing kangaroos, yeah. having talked about Aussie DNA uh, <laughs> during the qualification. But that, Which is fine. Yeah, we have to, the players have been talking about not taking a backward step. There's his squad selections, the selection of Cameron Devlin mm-hmm. and Keanu Backus from Scotland indicating that Graham Arnold is leading, toward, leaning towards a physical counter-attacking yeah. game. Given the disparity in talent between the two sides, at least the perception, of course, they have to play the game at some point, but do you think the Socceroos will have any luck with that sort of physical counter-attacking approach? For me, the biggest asset for Australia is set-pieces. It would be, And, of course, you need to go and get your wide free kicks or your corners, and for that you need to attack at some point. But France have been vulnerable for, for an amount of, you know, a couple of years now under Deschamps on set-pieces where despite we have size, but despite that, not being very good defensively and even offensively as well. So for me, I think this is where maybe there's something to exploit from Australia. The counter-attack, seeing I think the defence that Deschamps is going to put uh, in with Varane will return, Pavard, Lucas Hernandez, and then Konate Upamecano as the second centre-back. There will be enough pace there to sort of block, to play with a high line still and, and, and block the counter-attack from Australia. So. For me, and I think this is one of the axes that Deschamps is going to work on between now and the game, is those defensive set pieces, not to give anything to Australia on corners or wide free kicks or you know even just free kicks full stop in the box to win the first header, maybe win the second ball, the second header, and then create danger on set pieces. So maybe Australia's ticket then is big seven foot tall Harry Suter from a corner <laughs> or something yeah, like that. Yeah, which which again I, th- I think there's listen there's there's no. There's no shame in targeting set pieces to hurt the French because it's England not, ran it to a World Cup yeah, final last and time round. It's not with the ball that you're going to hurt us anyway. I think mm. you know. So uh, the French will have a lot of the ball. If you don't give much space to Benzema, to Mbappe, and to Griezmann, I think you're going to diminish what how much they can hurt you. Mm. And then yeah, be quick on the counter to see if there's an opening there. And if there's not, I think set pieces are going to be, going to be very important. Mm. And I also did want to ask you, we saw the Socceroos, they became the first of the qualified nations that are coming to this tournament to release an official stance yeah. on Qatar and the human rights situation here, a video that they released in conjunction with their union, Professional Footballers Australia. Since they've arrived in Qatar, they've uh, played a very straight bat on that. They've preferred, we've said, we've put out the video, we're going to focus on the yeah. tournament now, we're expecting... Jackson Irvine, when he talks to the media at some point, he might speak to it, but nobody else. How, how do you think the French team is going to approach that situation here in Qatar? We've seen what other, some other European nations mm. have talked about, 
saw some comments from uh, Hugo Lloris recently yeah. in the press. How do you think the French are going to approach that? Yeah, Hugo has addressed it as the captain, and I think he he did it almost for the group, for the squad. I don't think anybody else really is going to go heavily on the subject. Uh, we might ask the questions. We see two players later today. We will ask some questions same tomorrow. I expect quite like a mild answer, if I'm honest with you. Uh, and some would say we fo- we're here to focus on the football, which in a way you can understand. Uh, and Lloris, for example, to the decision with the rest of the squad and the federation and they shall not to wear the One Love armband, which I think was the plan initially. Arguing that you come to Qatar, you you have to to play with their culture and they, you know, and and their habits in a way, which again I can understand. I think there's a few people in France who don't agree, which again is fair. I think they're also in a difficult position, really. So they they've linked up with a, an organization that looked after the, the the migrant workers here which I think is the right thing to do. I, I expect the French to support that organization and to help them and to maybe raise awareness that way. I think that would be it. Well, uh, Jules Loren, thank you very much for joining thank us here on me. ESPN Australia Anytime. and the National Curriculum. And uh, before you go, one last thing. Can I get a score prediction? I think it's a low on goal game. Not many chances on either side. I think France will have a lot of the ball, not create much. This is not the kind of game, especially to start the tournament, that they will like. I mean, this is, this is for you, Australia. This is not the game they would want first. Really not. The heat, your great, like the physicality of your game, the no space in the way you're going to play, this is not what they want. So this is good for you. I think a 1-0 win for France, and I think they'll take that and move on and be very happy.